Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. As a dad, that's your responsibility. As a mom, that's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Amen. Don't outsource your children's future and success to a teacher that gives you one meeting a year and goes, here's what's happening in the classroom. And like, you don't know anything else that's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast today, where we will interview my good friend, John Broman. John's a friend from the last 20 years. And we went out of touch for about 15 of those years and came back in touch in 2019 when I joined the Front Row Dads. John is the creator and founder of the Front Row Dads. And he did this as something, it's a passion project. He feels that of everything out there, this is his calling. Be a great parent, to lead a community of people who focus on being great parents, great spouses, great for their families. Uh, and John, he's an amazing human being. And I'll tell you about John, uh, you can go and, and look him up online. You can see he has plenty of business accolades. Uh, he's been the speaker of the year in many different categories, many different fronts. He's well-known, famous professionally. I'm going to interview him today about things uh, that were his big challenges, of which he had quite a few, and he's going to share those with you live. He talks about the idea of practicing at practice speed and at game speed. He talks about the front row dads talks about his own imperfections and flaws when it comes to parenting. And he's so open and vulnerable about these things. He is an exquisite storyteller. You want to listen to a masterclass on storytelling, then buckle up today, my friends. You're going to hear it from my dear friend, Mr. John Froman. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. I would like to now welcome my dear friend and mentor, and I can put a lot of different words right there in the blank to describe President John. of your fan club. President of my fan club. Well, that's great. That's great. Uh, I love to invite John Broman in here. Uh, John, great to see you, oh, my friend. This is going to be a fun chat, man. At least uh, his, if history repeats itself, we're going to have a good time. Absolutely. Excited for it. And I'd love to go ahead and dive right in, John, to first tell me three things about you that our listeners should know outside of your regular bio. Outside the regular bio. Okay. One thing they should know is that I hum Christmas tunes randomly throughout the year for no reason at all. <laughs> Just, I randomly will like catch myself humming some Christmas tune. So clearly I've got some, some anchors there. That's, a, that's something most people don't know. On a more serious note, I, I think the thing that people should know is that uh, my life seems to be continually a roller coaster. If they look at my Instagram, they'll probably be like, man, that's, that guy's living a great life. And yet, at the same time, I try to remind, whenever it's appropriate, myself and others, that I'm having a very human experience, and there's lots of challenges that I'm currently facing, as are many other people. And I think that's where I find my connection to humanity, is through what's, what's very real and very raw. I feel like there's a bug buzzing me. And that's the other thing. You won't find in a bio that on whatever today's date is. <laughs> During Matt's interview, I'm getting buzzed by a bug in my office. You Normally, those are my two children that are interrupting me during a podcast. <laughs> Tiger yeah. and Ocean, 12 and 7. We have a beautiful, beautiful family. Again, having a very human experience. Thank you, John. And uh, I will also say, I did mention this earlier in the pre-interview, that today is the first day where all the kids are home from school. School yeah. ended yesterday in Charlotte, North Carolina. So there is a likelihood that at some point we might pause because... <laughs> 
the kids will run through. Dude, let's not pause. Uh, let's bring them on. This would be great. Bring them on. Yeah, they are not a distraction. They are not an inhibitor. They only enhance things That's is the it. way that I view it now. It. Literally, five years ago, and if we get dive, dive into challenges right away, five years ago, if a child were to have walked in the background of my Zoom or to have cried in another room, three rooms away, I would have literally muted so that the person I'm talking to didn't see it. And I would have yelled loud. And I'm not proud of that. Maybe a little bit uh, embarrassed by it and want to share it openly because that is the, the place I've made much, much progress because I'm aware of it, that challenge. And that's, have you ever experienced that before where uh, there's a child that's dude, doing something well, that just oh, turns oh, you into? <laughs> hold on. This is, this is, I got a great story for you. You probably don't know this one. Am I allowed to curse on your show, by the way? Uh, if you feel so inclined, okay, go ahead. I, well, I, won't, I won't. I won't. Because it's. I, I can still tell the story without actually letting the cat out of the bag totally. I'm in my office. I'm getting ready to jump on a group call. I've got John Berghoff and Hal Elrod with me. We're hosting a coaching call. Oh, yeah. It was an important call. I don't remember if it was a coaching call, but it was, a, it was an important call. And I had tried to hang a sign outside my door that said, if the doors closed, please lovingly, respectfully, just don't open the door. It means I'm on a call. I tried everything, you know, cones, flares, <laughs> you know, trip barbed wire. I don't know. I tried everything. And yet my, I said to my wife, if you, it's really an emergency, you know, you can come in or whatever. And so she, right as the call is starting, and it's a really important call. That's important to note, right? For me, for me, I've made it important. She comes in the office and it's not important. And I'm like, you got I got to go. She's like, da, 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 da. I'm like, I got to go. She's like, da, 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 da. so I slam my hands on the table and I go, close the effing door. Like, I scream it. And then I realize I'm not on mute. <laughs> my, oh. I thought I muted the phone, but oh. I didn't. And yeah, and so that was really embarrassing. And the truth is, I you know I should be embarrassed by the behavior already, right? Like it's somebody I love, I should be embarrassed. It just seems extra embarrassing when people who you're, you know, um, not as comfortable with knowing your intimate behind the scenes personal life get a dose of it instantly <laughs> without any filter. Yeah, man, it's a that was a shame. I felt a lot of shame felt a lot of personal self-hate for myself. Like who, who does that? What kind of monster does that? And I needed yeah. to learn some self-compassion and some self-love and I needed to figure out, well, why, why was I so sensitive? What, what was I trying to protect? What was I making so important? What, what was my model of the world that led to that moment? And that's where the growth comes from. So. Wow. Take me deeper <laughs> at that moment. She, I'm feeling this because I've done this, yeah. something similar. And I, I'm feeling with you right now, John, what in that moment you did it, you realize in your own world that yeah. the, it's not on mute. So you've got the people on yeah. the phone and you've got your wife over here. Yeah. So there's two levels. What was your experience at that exact moment? Yeah, there's a lot of things that happen when you play that out. One is what I realized in that moment was, and not in that moment, but in the subsequent moments, was that John and Hal both, it opened up a dialogue about anger that they have both felt and experienced in their own ways, that because my world was exposed differently, that led to conversations that might not have otherwise happened. So that was, it was great. There was a lot of growth there. Number two was that the deeper part of this is that those those moments can oftentimes echo and they, look, you can go and apologize and you can repair, but you, those carry forward. You know, my, my wife and I still to this day have a very dynamic relationship. It can be really great and it can be really challenging. We were in a therapy session today because I believe deeply in counselors and therapy and coaching and working with people. And so we're, we're talking with that therapist today and I'm realizing that those moments in our relationship, those outbursts, those the times when she didn't feel safe in our relationship, I felt like I had no choice. It was like, you didn't listen to the sign. You didn't do the, da, da, da. I had no choice but to yell. Now you always have a choice. That was my choice to yell. And it can be very effective. You can really get people's attention very quickly when you command like that. But I, I wanted to be a better leader. I wanted to be a better man. I, I didn't want to rely on physical or vocal intimidation to get what I want. 
right? And and so I can still see that the trauma can exist to this day. You know, the patterns of anger and emotional intensity in a relationship. When somebody doesn't feel psychologically safe in a relationship, that's that's a breakdown that either needs to be repaired or it will be the end of that personally or professionally. You know, they, they've studied this in groups and in companies. Like, are people psychologically safe in those environments? Because without that, it's very difficult to, to make progress together. Yeah. Yeah, you turn that challenge into an opportunity to grow, to have deeper understanding of yourself and how you showed up. And I wonder from that, moment. And I've known you for years. I've known you for probably 20, 22 years, 20 years. And we reconnected in the Front Row Dads three years ago. And I'm very grateful for that. And the journey that I've observed you on, you have had this path where you have had anger from time to time, and you're also making progress on that journey. And I wonder if you could you know, share any thought around the progress that you've made, that you're not perfect, and you're aware that you're making progress. Yeah. How does yeah, that fit? Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, it, I've had two emotions as I've made progress. One, proud of myself. Definitely progress. I would have lost my cool. I didn't lose my cool. I utilized the tools I've been given. I went, space, meditated, whatever. Right? There, I could talk for hours around the tools and the strategies and the decisions that I made, some of which you'd be like, yep, 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 knew that, knew that. And there's a reason that we know it because it works and there's a lot of people talking about it. The second one is you would find a guy who's like deeply disappointed that I'm like, yeah, I made progress, but not enough. <laughs> like, sure, after this many years of working on this, like, should I still be getting triggered? So there's also some some disappointment that I've experienced over the years too, where I think I should be better than where I'm where I. You know, interestingly, I'll share with you, loosely related. I think our good mutual friend Tim Nikolaev, who's a front row dad, who's a great friend of mine here. I was talking to him about volleyball. Now you're a golf guy. I'm a volleyball guy. Not nearly as good at volleyball as you are golf, but I'm still going to make the parallel. I'm going to make the parallel. When it, when it comes to playing volleyball, I said to Tim, I go, I'm not making any progress. And he says, well, that's because you're practicing at game speed. And you need to slow it down and practice at practice speed so that when you're in game time, you can execute more effectively. And I, I recognize that just because I learned, so I'm 46 now, and in my 20s, I found Tony Robbins and read hundreds of personal development books and hired coaches and did all this stuff. And it's easy to let and I don't know who to credit for this statement, but it's let yesterday's breakthrough become today's ego trip. Let yesterday's breakthrough become today's ego trip. And it was what I noticed was that I, I, I stopped practicing at practice speed things that would be helpful. Like sure, that worked for me when I was younger, but I learned that and now I'm done. So like as an example, I know you're, you journal and you, you were both friends with Hal, I mentioned earlier, who did the Miracle Morning. And part of that process is affirmations. Hal was always a big affirmation guy. I wasn't. But when I was going through my stuff with Tatiana, I wrote an affirmation that when I started reading that affirmation every day, it started working. Big shock. Like the big shocker, <laughs> yes. right? Tried and true. Yeah, tried okay. and true. So anyway, I think okay. that I think that that's if if I take you on the journey with me, I think you'd see two things. You'd see progress. You'd see some some shame in that the lack of progress, and you'd also see some some ego that was like, I learned that thing. I should already know it. And then there's a guy who kept practicing the basics, going back and running the basic drills and seeing progress still. That'd be what you would see. But in, you know, when you zoomed out down in the muck of it, it looked like a lot of, a lot of craziness. I'm going to dive back down in the muck and, and, and pull you out with a, you know, a kind of a microscope here and, and show there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said. You talked about practice speed, what, what you and Tim were talking about, practice speed versus game speed. The way that I was trained with, from my golf coach, Dr. Bob Rotella was it's about uh, training mode versus trusting mode. 
you know, in a training yes. mode is when you're practicing. A yes. training mode is when you're slowing down and you're you're giving your reps, not in the game time, but you're doing it at practice. It's when I'm practicing my 50 putts every day here on the on the carpet at the house. And then there's trusting mode where you're not tweaking it when you're on the course. When you're out there, everything you practice is it's just playing out in real time. You're not questioning it; you're just doing it. And that's the way I equate it. I love your. If there's anyone taking a note out there, this is the one that seldom is spoken about, and it's brilliant. Practice speed and game speed. Dude, you know, okay, so I've been looking for an excuse to bring this into the conversation, so here we go. (laughs) Nice, bring it. Uh, Did you see the new (laughs) Top Gun movie? Not yet, cannot wait, not yet. (laughs) I'm not gonna, trust me, nothing I'm gonna say is gonna ruin anything for you, but there's an element of what we're talking about that played out in that movie perfectly about practice speed and, you know, the training speed and then the trust speed. And I think that it was just, so let it just be another nudge for you to go see the movie. It's really good. I took Tiger last and I had him watch the first one for the record so that he had the baseline. And then we went and saw the the new one and it was, it was great. It really was great. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. You can find my affiliate link for the Top Gun movie in, <laughs> the, right. uh, in the show notes here. I get eight cents every ticket we sell. No, I'm just kidding. But thank you, John, for the nuggets so far. I'd love to go into another challenge. I don't know where this may take us. And I don't know what challenge may come to mind for you. But when people see you from the outside, what I see, at least, is someone who is successful as a speaker, successful as a builder of a community, successful as uh, a leader of a family. And in my own definition of success on the outside, I see you as this. And you know, I admire you for that. I wonder for someone who's, many would say are successful, what's another challenge that you've had to go through in your life or are going through in your life that we may be able to learn from your wisdom? First, I appreciate the kind words, man. I really do appreciate that. And there are things I'm proud of. There are things that I've worked really hard. I put a lot of reps into trying to be better. And I try to be as open and as transparent with people um, as I possibly can. You know, the thing that keeps showing up for me lately that I, I love to talk about and I want to talk about, and you just said it is, and it never, it never gets old for me. It's like, it's, there's a few things in life that never get old. <laughs> and, and, and one of them, one of them is relationships and community. I am never let down by the power that is constantly apparent to me of like surrounding yourself with the right people. And I know it's so cliche to say, and it feels like, yeah, there's another person quoting Jim Rohn. You're the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. But, you know, I've seen this textured through my life, Matt, where you hear about it intellectually and then you get it and you, you know, you want to do better in business or you want to do better. So you surround yourself with the right people. But like a, like a good marriage, I think that when you are in a good marriage, and you have committed people who are running the race together, when you go deeper with somebody, it's not always rainbows and unicorns when you go deeper. Like deeper doesn't mean you're only going to find the good. Like, yeah, sometimes we're like the deepest part of their soul. You can really know what makes them come alive. And sometimes it's like the, the positives of the deeper part of the soul, the part that nobody else gets to. But when you cry, crawl into that cave you might get a monster, a trauma, a trigger that you also get with people when you go deeper. And I will tell you that at 46 years old now, thinking about my life in some ways is maybe like, am I at the halfway mark? I don't know, man, but I can see the timeline of my life and maybe I'm near the halfway mark. And how many amazing years do I have ahead of me? Like when do, when, when do things shift in the human body, you know? Statistically speaking, is it 85, you know, that things might start to shift? I don't know, earlier. So does that mean I've got a quarter of my time left? Like big, like to do anything I want to do and go go after life in the way that I want to go after it. And then I think about what really matters and what success really, really means. And there was a question that was brought up at our retreat in Florida. I don't know if you remember this, but Mike McCarthy talked about a guy who was 38 years old and had hundred million dollars. And on the outside, again, everything looked perfect. And he had a sudden death. That was it. And a question that has come up for me since then that has never faded was, who will be there for your family if something happens to you? 
who knocks on your door, who brings food, who hugs your wife and your kids or your spouse, whoever's listening to this, right? Man or woman or whoever you are, who, who is there to take care of those that you love? Who shows up to your funeral? And then somebody else said something to me recently. They said, people who don't know you very well will talk about your successes at your funeral. This person accomplished this and they did this and they, but people who really know you will talk about how you made them feel and personal stories of connection and love at your funeral. And all of this, all of what I'm saying, if I were to button this up and say, is there a through line? Is there a thread? Is there a common point that I'm making? It's that to me, the source of all of my greatest pain and joy has come from trying to get into real relationships with people as much as possible. And that, that to me, a success metric and a success gauge is just a feeling of how connected am I to my community? How connected do they feel to me? And there's lots of ways to do things. We can have lots of strategy conversations around parenting and how many screens to give your kids or relationships and how, you know, how to talk to your wife or how many date nights to have or in business, how to measure things. And all those are important and valuable conversations. But I think that one of the biggest ones is just being able to have a knowing. You know what, I'm, you know what I mean? A knowing inside you that when you ask yourself, am I having rich, meaningful relationships with people in my life, right? It, that there's a knowing there. Nobody can define it. It's not, not going to find it on a spreadsheet, but you're going to be able to answer that question of how aligned are you with yourself and how are you aligned with others and how does it feel? And is it dynamic and exciting and fun and scary and pleasurable and all of that at the same time? That to me is where we can experience the greatest of humanity is is with each other. And so that's the thing I've not only noticed, but I'm trying to stay focused on. And uh, not the only thing I'm focused on, but it's maybe the primary thing. I would like to ask you uh, a positive, proactive question about how you are continuing to create through this question. Before I ask you that question, we go to the creative and the, and the positive and what is going to happen and all of that. I'd love to go back one more time and ask you, has there been a time in your life when maybe you, the people that you were surrounding yourself with were not the right people and you identified this and maybe did something about it? So here's the thing. I used to say they're not the right people, but what's interesting is they were exactly the right people because then I could figure out what I didn't want. So they were the right people at the right time in that moment to show me something. And sometimes the path is like, here's where we're going. And the other one is like, I don't want to go down that path. And I used to say they were, they were the wrong people, but they were actually the right people. They were put in my life specifically at the right time for the right reason. Now, I didn't necessarily want to continue the hike with them, right? I saw that, hey, we hiked this road. You showed me the, the cliff. <laughs> And with your climbing equipment and uh, your approach, I'm going to go climb in a different direction. Mm -hmm. But man, I wish you all the best. But it's that your climbing approach isn't the one for me. But it's finding gratitude for that because I could point to all seasons of my life. And there were some definite moments where I was like, I love this person. I'm grateful that they were in my life, but we're going to move in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And some of those are, are easier and some of them are harder. Like even people... Our, our mutual friend, John Kane, what literally best buddy, right? Love this guy. But it was the right move for our family to go from Philadelphia to Texas. And that meant not living 10 minutes from my best friend, John Kane. That was painful. But I, I also made a very conscious choice for my family. And I really want to put my family first. That was clearly the right choice for my, my family. Mm. But boy, do I miss him a lot. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. Quick shout out to John Kane. Hey, what's one thing about John Kane that you love the most if you had to pick like one thing about him? He sees the best in people. He is one of the most incredible. He has he has the most incredible eye for talent. He will pierce through your soul and see the genius in you. His people skills, his ability to empathize, relate, communicate verbally, non-verbally, emotionally, energetically, all of that is off 
the charts. People confide in him. They trust him. They like him. And, and I was talking about this with somebody this morning that in my early 20s is when I first met John. And John was the type of person who I felt from the get-go was like, this guy sees me and he appreciates me. He doesn't think I'm perfect. He actually sees my flaws too. He sees the 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 you know the the scratches and the in the in the armor, you know, if you will. He sees through all that. And I'm still okay. He's like, here's another human being having a human experience. But there's something good about this guy and that's what he is able to recognize. Thank you for that very real, you know, sharing the love for John Kane. I have a story about about John and you uh, together. I'm thinking back to the last time I remember being with the two of you at the same time. It was at one of the retreats, and John Kane was leading the meditation slash yoga one morning. And I haven't done yoga that much. I am in this position, which is incredibly uncomfortable for me. I look over to my left, and you were like in this Spider Man type position with your hands above your head like this and you were like standing up on your with backwards and it was like the craziest thing i think i've ever seen and i did not know this but you were actually a state champion gymnast if i'm not mistaken many moons ago yeah many moons ago you know, that was the last time i remember being in the same uh, room together with the two of you and i was very grateful for that memory cuz you Dude, made me feel like, very very how human about the there fact that john is like <laughs> you know 200 plus pounds Big person, right? Six two, I think is he's six two, mm-hmm. maybe six. I don't know, mm-hmm. but he is. Uh, he's a yoga, and I thought that it was so mm-hmm. great when I watched him tackle yoga because I was like, "You're not the typical yoga person that I know, right? Mm-hmm. I have definitely a stereotype of people who do yoga, and you're not fitting that at all. You're a college wrestler, you know. You know, just you're no. right about that." You know what? Another memory of John Kane. I'll take back a year earlier before that. The first front row dad retreat that I ever attended in San Diego, John was there and he was put on my team for volleyball. So I'm with John and you just said the wrestler. John was at the net no matter where he was in the court. He's the net on every play trying to smack the ball down and spike it on people. So I saw that tenacious. He's a competitor. Yeah, he's he's super competitive. Yeah. Uh, But I love to honor him. One more thing that, that I learned from him. From him and from Brad Johnson, I learned about the uh, the family board meeting, you know, and I've been doing that now for almost three years uh, religiously. And he was the one of the people that helped me to, to come to that conclusion and, and find that. So I you know also what? love John. Let's Kane. give uh, let's give Jim Shields some love too, who wrote the book The Family Board Meeting. Jim was at our very yes. first ever Front Row Dads, thirty guys, Philadelphia, twenty sixteen. Jim was there and shared this philosophy, which basically is spending one-to-one time with your kids every quarter. And he has a, he has a methodology, right? Four hours, activity of their choice, no technology, debrief at the end. Like it's a, it's a very simple framework, but the guys really latched onto this. And John started doing these board meetings. And his daughter, Natalie, said, if we never did Christmas again, I would be okay with that, but I don't ever want to get rid of our board meetings. It was like one of the, the sweetest testimonials for a board meeting that I've ever heard. The board meeting for Jim had a double meaning to it because he was a business guy in real estate, but he also loved to surf. So it was the surfboard, the board meeting, the time on the surfboard was the was the impetus of that idea for him. Never knew that until now. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Today's sponsor for the Eternal Optimist podcast is Bald is Beautiful. No matter what kind of hairstyle you have or don't have, you're beautiful. You may have a multicolored do-rag on your head. You may have real hair, fake hair, implanted hair, no hair, just a little bit of hair, a lot of hair, bushy hair, thin hair, thick hair. It doesn't matter what kind of hair you have. You're beautiful. Sponsored by the Eternal Optimist Podcast. Well, John, I'd love to go back to your idea around the success metric for you currently is around just community and how you're feeling and how you're knowing that you're in the right place with people. And I wonder if you could, underneath that banner, take us forward into what are you creating? What are you excited about? What's an exciting place for John Vroman now and into the future? 
I want to build I want to build front row dads the community to be a group of men who um who are operating within an ecosystem where they thrive together, but it's not based on me. I'm not the, I'm not the bottleneck. I'm not the, the hub. I'm not the root. I'm just a part of the system that's working together. And, you know, I think about like, there are some communities when somebody comes in and they're deaf, clearly the leader, they're very charismatic. Perhaps they have a lot to say. And I, I love those people. I mean, look, I said earlier, like I grew up as a big Tony Robbins fan. I love being in a room where he commands the attention and he tells the stories and he guides. And I'm so grateful that he shares that gift. I also love there being a community where it's built with the intention of multiple people sharing their victories and asking for help and everybody helping each other. The thing that's scary about a Tony Robbins type situation is that when Tony goes, Tony goes. And I, you know, it's a very different, it's a very different event when Tony's not there, when people are there to see Tony, you know, and I understand it. He's incredible, you know, and I, I'm not trying to be Tony Robbins or anybody else. In fact, I, I just want, I think the success of the business would be that I own Front Row Dads, but Front Row Dads doesn't own me. As a businessman, that's my mentality. Like, I don't want to create a business that I hate. And there have been a couple of times when I've started doing that. <laughs> like, you think I want to help people. I naturally want to grow the business. So we should do that. Right. And you have a little space in your schedule. Like, let's say you figured something out. You're like, we have a little space. We could tackle that. And you're like, a little space is good to keep in your <laughs> schedule too. Like, so you're like, oh, we figured out that program. We got an extra hour on Friday. Let's launch another live event. And you're all of a sudden like stretched to the max again. And to me, success would be like, I don't schedule anything on Mondays. I don't schedule anything on Fridays. And I don't schedule anything after, before 10 a.m. or after 4 p.m. On, Thursday, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So this podcast is taking place on a Thursday at 2.20 right now. And there's a reason for that. It would fall in that window. 90 5% of the time over the course of the year, that'll be true for me. So success as we grow front row ads would mean more people helping each other, systems being co-created with the group, and I am not the fuel. Why is this so important to you? And why is this so important to the world, front row dad? Well, to me, it's about living in integrity with my, myself. Like, Can I look in the mirror and be like, you're, you're doing the work you were born to do? So that comes with some knowing of who you are, your strengths and your weaknesses, and then being honest about all that, taking into consideration those that you love, you know, taking into consideration Tatiana's feelings and Tiger and Ocean and what's best for them. I think that, you know, so what's best for the world is what's best for our family, I think. If I, when I look out and I see 7 billion people and all these problems and countries going to war and things that are happening that I don't agree with, right? The, political things or whatever it would be. It's, it's, I look out and I go, wow, do I want to try to solve the water problem, the clean water problem? Do I want to get involved in personal liberty and freedoms? Do I want to, how, what's happening with inflation? Should I focus all my energy on, you know, do, do I think the food supply chain is going to collapse? Do I, do I need to build a relationship with my farmer? Like, I mean, there's all the, like you literally, it's endless, right? Oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's endless. You know, it's endless. I, it's endless. And then I go, oh, my main mission here is to, is to really create the best home life that I possibly can. If I want to make a difference in the world, like I've got to start at home. I've got to start with like, okay, I see a big problem globally. You go, well, why does that problem exist? Oh, probably because as children, these people who are making decisions that I don't agree with were not brought up in a healthy environment with, with truly knowing who they are and what their strengths are and how to work with people and how to work with their emotions. And I'm like, well, then who's responsible? Do I just give them to the school and be like, school's responsible? If I'm going to have great, well-adjusted kids, I better get them into a good school and let the teachers do their job. I go, no, man, as a dad, that's your responsibility. As a mom, that's your responsibility. Don't, don't outsource your children's future and success to a teacher that gives you one meeting a year and goes, here's what's happening in the classroom. And like, you don't know anything else that's happening. Like, We need to be plugged in at home. We need to be 
plugged into that system to where we know what to do. We know what stories to tell. We know what um, uh, behaviors to model. And, and, and we need to pour in the love so much that kids grow up in a home where they're like, I am so loved by my parents. I, I know my parents gave me permission to make mistakes. My parents gave me permission to try new things. My parents let me explore in the safety of our home to become the person that can then go out into the world, understand they have an ego, understand themselves in the world, and then they can do what they can do in the world the best they can do it. Some people will go be doctors. Some people are going to be lawyers. Some people are going to be school teachers. Some people stay at home parents. Some people, whatever it is, all that's fine. But dude, when I, if I keep reverse engineering, and why is that? Go deeper. Take me deeper. Your comment, right? It all goes back to home. This is where we grow up. This is where all be, this is the, this is the soil, right? These are the, we are watering the garden right now. That's it, man. That's why we got to do this front row dads thing. It's not the only thing. It's just a really important thing. I want to give out just a moment to pause to let that sink in because that's, that's the essence of why we're, why we're here. It's our home. It starts here. Everything begins with us and how we model this for our children, how when we F up and we slam our hands down and tell them to get the F out of the room, whether who, whoever it is, how we recover and you know, go back and make that right with them and then model and let that be a good teacher. And, and everything you're saying, it's I 100% subscribe to and believe. And that's one of the reasons that I'm a, a big front row dad and, and love the front row dads and I'm going to be a lifetime member is because of this passion tapped into John Roman right now. This is it. This is why. So thank you for framing that. It could be anything. It could be, as you said, inflation or the food shortage or any of the other world's problems with water or this or that or, or guns or whatever. And it all starts with us and how we show up in our families. And I just, I love you for that, John. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, being, being very transparent, I, I come from a home where I was given love. I was shown love. Self-esteem is strong. And there was some temper from time to time. There was some yelling from time to time. And whenever I was the, on the receiving end of that yelling, you know, I kind of took that internal to me. And I started out as a dad who was a yeller. And is this, wow, is this the way that I'm going to be a dad? No, I had a choice, a conscious choice. Like you're talking about high level awareness, like the when the the teacher is ready or when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And, you know, the teacher for me has been, you have been one of those great teachers. Ever since March, 2019, when I was trying to talk to you on the phone for the first time about the dads three years ago, and I kept um, getting hung up on, not by you, but by the, uh, you know, the cell service. I knew that there was something special about this, this group and it has uh, multiplied my life tenfold. I'm a much better father as a result. So, you know, I'm, I'm all front row dads. I, I don't have the tattoo yet, uh, yet, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, John, continue with this. If, if we go back to the idea of challenges and there are people out there that may not be as aware of how to deal with the challenge. There are people out there that are stuck in some challenge uh, in a recurring habit loop. If there were a piece of advice that you could offer someone that feels stuck, that has a challenge, what might one piece of advice be from from John to that person? Yeah, not prescriptive because I, it's different for everybody, right? But I'll tell you what's true for me. It is giving myself space to to be aware and to heal and to learn, but it has to come through space. So many of my greatest breakthroughs have come by breaking the pattern, jumping out of my day-to-day -day routine, and then going somewhere into something to to break what is sometimes an unhealthy challenge, right? It's something that we're stuck in and we're just, it's Groundhog Day every day. So if, if it's an event you can go to, I mean, I'm a huge fan of events. Look, they've changed my life. I host them. I totally believe in them. Go, but it, I'm not saying come to my event. I'm saying go to any of them, right? Like the event is just, again, it's getting you out of your normal routine. It's, you know, I always say when I, I go back to my early days with Tony Robbins and I've had lots of mentors for the record. You know, Tony was my first, saw him on TV and I remember being in my room. I don't know if you know this story, Matt, but I remember being in my room 
and infomercial comes on. And my first thought is, really, who buys this? <laughs> like, who buys from the guy on TV that's like, can show you how to be great and successful? And like, I'm like, really? People buy these CDs and do people fall for this? That's what that was my original thought was, do people fall for this? What's interesting is I was watching it more like to make fun of Tony, right? To make fun of the process. Huh. But as I was listening to him, there was a thought that happened, that, the thought that occurred, and I'm glad I listened. And the thought was this. It went from, I go, is this really worth it? Like it, it was like, it starts off with the, this isn't worth it. But then you hear the testimonials of the people and you say, and you go, could it be? Like, is it worth it? That's the question that was like, is it worth it to, am I worth finding out. Wow. Wow. So that moment, is it worth it versus am I worth finding out? See, my ego was standing in the way. I couldn't let this guy teach me anything. I knew everything. I couldn't let somebody else be really smart. I, nobody else figured out stuff that could help me, right? I'm not going to be one of those people that buys this. I'm, I'm different. I'm unique. I'm special, whatever it might be. But I thought I'm worth finding out if this stuff is possible, if this is these promises could be made true. And and sure enough, man, it was like I, I got those CDs. I paid $225 and it started changing my life. And I think for a lot of people, it was it was the time in the car. It was the time to hear something new and then to reflect on it. So that's what you do when you get challenged. You shake something up. You read a new book, you hire a new coach, you find somebody new to have a conversation with, you ask a different question, you, you do something different to just see what could possibly work. And again, I'm not sharing things that are really sexy here. Like, whoa, John, I've never heard anybody say that. But it's like, we have a saying in Front Row Dads that it's not always about new, it's about true. So sometimes the novel brain wants to get everything new. You're like, never heard that before. New, new ever, like, oh, that's new. That's a new guru. That's a new quote. That's a new statement. That's a new thought. And we undervalue what's true. What, so you and I come from Berghoff's appreciative inquiry world, but part of that process is looking back and saying, what's working, right? Like what, what's actually worked here? Before we go say, well, what could we do differently? How do we innovate? How do we grow? Look back and go, can we see some patterns about like what's actually worked in the past? So when you do the deep work, don't be shocked if some of the answers that you get are simple in how they can be. Like, oh, just be more grateful or oh, just just see the good in that person or oh, right? Like, <laughs> you know, there, there's some simple things that we can keep going back to. That's what I think people do when they get challenged. Shake it up, try something new, and don't undervalue the true wisdom that has maybe worked for you in the past and could work for you again. Wow. Thank you, John. Absolute wisdom. Go back to the past. Go back to the foundational things and get them right. Shake it up. It doesn't have to be new. Get the, get the, get the right stuff right. I want to go back to our Cutco days. Remember to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing. That's right. Yeah, and embrace the paradox of it all. The thing is that when you when you do look at life, there's a paradox. You're like, hold on tight, let go, right? <laughs> yeah. Raise the bar. The key to success is you know happiness is low standards, right? Like ease. Like there's all these paradoxes. You're telling me stay committed, and you're saying know when to give up, right? Know when to retreat. Like, what do I do? Do I stay committed or do I change directions? <laughs> like, you're saying remain flexible, and you're saying stay the course. Like, which which one is it? And you're like, yes, <laughs> all of it. Yes, you know, yes, yes, I am. And and part of like the, part of dealing with challenges is knowing that and actually being okay with that. Yeah, it's like the answer is yes. It's all of it. And none of it. <laughs> and, and, and can you be okay with that level of uncertainty? Can you just go, man, some stuff I do control, some stuff I don't. And then, whew, who am I really? What am I feeling in this moment? What's in the next move? And then be guided 
You're guided, just like birds that are born into this world. Ty Ocean asked me the other day, he goes, how does that bird know to fly south? Who taught the bird, right? Like, how does that animal know where the sea is? How does that turtle, when it's born in the sand, instantly know which way the sea is? Like, how does it know that? <laughs> right? I, I, love the, I love the questions that Ocean gives me. And I go, buddy, I'm so glad you're asking these questions because that to me, dude, is the juice of life where trust your instincts, man. They are, you are, there is something born in all of us that at the end of the day, forget all the books, forget all the people, forget all the teachers, forget everything, forget your mom, forget your dad. If you can learn to trust yourself, you have an inner compass and it will many times guide you properly. You know, and I say many times because I don't want to say always. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that. But it is a it is a solid tool to learn how to use. But we get so busy with the noise of the world and the noise of TV and media and distractions and all this. So sometimes, if we just get clear about that inner compass, that inner guide, man, that's how you'll navigate all that craziness. Wow, man, you just you just got lit up right there, especially in the story with talking about your son, and it's so congruent. You are just such a congruent individual. Yeah, he's so curious, man. It's so fun. Well, John, how can how can our listeners find out more about you and what you're up to, and and anything you want to share there? Love to hear it. I, I was hoping you were going to say, how can our listeners help? And I'm like, you can tell my son how the turtles know to get to the ocean. <laughs> Send me that information. I don't know. But uh, look, man, I this conversation has been amazing. If that's If it was helpful for somebody, I feel great. If it was just you and I getting time together, I feel great if nobody listened to this. If somebody feels like they resonate, they're like, kind of feel aligned with this, then... I would say go listen to a couple episodes of the Front Redab podcast. See if that matches up. If it does, there's ways to get involved. Frontroadads.com is the best way to get kind of the hub of all the info. We've got a conference coming up. There's some online stuff. The podcast is there. There's a dad quiz that we just launched to help you find your blind spots. All sorts of stuff. But we're learning and growing, man. We're changing. We're we're shifting, but that's that's probably not going to shift for a long time. Hub of frontroadads.com is really solid right now, and it's trending in a very positive direction. So I hope the right guys come find us. You know, the guys who I the guys who say I want to be a family man with a business, not a businessman with a family. That's the guy we want to talk. Well, to. Who might be a good example or a standard that lives that in the community? If you're comfortable sharing a name of someone and who, dude, you man, you you're. You know, what's so interesting is, okay, you and I couldn't, it's like we tried to tee this up, but here's the thing. This is a true story. I'm doing a webinar with Hal on Wednesday. This is six days from now, right? And so we're doing this webinar. He, he and I do it every year where we teach like what we learned this last year. And then we talk about front row dads and this, see if anybody aligns with it. So I'm doing the slides for the webinar. And I say to Rachel, who's our community manager, for anybody listening, you know, Matt knows Rachel. I say, Rachel, we need, you know, we need examples of men who are really living the front row dad mission, who are putting into play things that they learn and go, who is like who in our group is an example, is a model of learning and executing, and then actually being the guy that we want more of that guy in our group. And she goes, Matt, drink on. I swear to you, this is our conversation. She goes, remember when he was teaching and he showed his calendar? So if your calendar is a reflection of your priorities, I, was, I sketched this thing out and I was like, let's do this sketch with the calendar. She goes, we should just show Matt's calendar because he shared that with the group. And I go, exactly what we should do. <laughs> we should show a picture of Matt's calendar. Tell Matt's story. Yeah, you. Mm, that's uh, you're the person that comes to I, mind. I appreciate you saying that, and I know you weren't fishing for that, but that is genuinely my answer. That's that's humbling to hear, John. I appreciate you saying that, and yeah, I'm not moved to tears uh, or anything, but I might be. I mean, actually, I'll get better of my delivery. I've been coming closer and closer to this emotion of feeling, just being able to be in connect with the feelings more and more, and I think a lot of that may stem from some of the things we've done recently together. I remember the last retreat that uh, you know breath work course that we did. I got really into that. And what I did not know until later, because you were in there too, and I thought you 
had your eyes closed doing it the whole time too. But then later I heard from one of my friends, Phil, oh, John was awake the whole, or John's eyes were open the whole time. He was watching. And then I became very self-aware. John was probably watching me over there bawling because I felt some real shame about how I yelled years ago and how that may have impacted my family. I don't know how I just got to that from you giving me a compliment, but I appreciate the compliment and thank you for giving us the space to explore being uh, the kind of dad who is self-aware, the kind of dad who can learn and be curious. And this is a great laboratory or a great place that we can practice what we all deep down want and we struggle to find sometimes. So I love the dad. Well, well, Matt, I should, I want to assure you that I did not see you crying because I couldn't see through the other countless men that were also crying. (laughs) 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 Nor could I hear your cries over their cries, though it was, it was a very emotional experience for everybody. And even though I was sitting there and as the, as the facilitator of the event, I'm holding space, I'm making sure everybody's okay. I definitely cried looking, I cried looking out into that room and saying, here is a group of badass, successful businessmen. Some of these guys are just like the most incredible humans I've ever met. And here they are playing full out in this breathwork class and going all in. What an incredible example. I was moved by that to be in the room with such legendary humans who were ready to try new things and you know put their egos aside. And it's pretty funny watching 50 men walk down the hallway to the meeting room with like pillows and a <laughs> towel in their hand. And I was like, you definitely test the security of a man by asking him to like get into an elevator with five other dudes with all with pillows in their hands. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Well, on that note, John, awesome. man, I appreciate you so much. I love you. You've been instrumental in, in a lot of things in my life. So just thank you for coming on today. Much appreciated, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.